Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 106 of the Corona Diaries. You're back on. Uh, you're back on terra firma. I am. I am. I find. I find they work. Fifty milligrams every day. <laughs> I like that. Fifty mil terra firma. <laughs> Glass of milk. I'm fine. Keep your feet on the ground. Take this. Wait, when did you get back? <laughs> Can't have been back long. I got back Sunday Sunday morning and fell off a, a, a plane from Orlando. It was quite a. Oh, it, was, it wasn't the most difficult journey, but it certainly wasn't straightforward. We we were an hour late. Orlando Airport was like a zoo. Um, slept on the flight, which was good. It was quite a yeah. quite a, 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 the nine hours passed really quickly. I had a spot of dinner. Went to sleep and then they woke me up with breakfast, which is really unusual because normally sleep on a flight is a bit uh, fitful. Uh, but cat it wa- nappy, isn't it? Yeah, bit but cat it wa- nappy. It wasn't. I was out and then then it was breakfast. So I've, I I got a good solid four hours, and then we got off the plane. Uh, no, we didn't. The plane landed. Um, I don't know, half an hour late, forty five minutes late. And then we couldn't get a stand, so we stood on the runway for another half hour before we could actually get off, which is always really irksome, you know, because you, all you want to do is get off, don't you, when you've landed. So then we sat on the tarmac for another half hour, and I was thinking, well, at least when we get the baggage, all the bags will be out. You know, that's that's the good thing about being held up, is you don't have to wait for bags. They get there before you do, so... Got to immigration, there was a 40-mile queue, uh, snaked our way through that queue and finally got to the machines. My machine didn't work, um, so then I had to go and see a bloke, and fortunately he did. So I got through, um, went down in for the to the baggage hall and the flight wasn't even on the board, let alone bags out. So then we stood for the best part of another 40 minutes waiting for the bags. So by then, I think it was the best part of at least an hour and a half that my taxi had been waiting for me. Um, And then then came home. So it it wasn't the simplest of journeys. I ended up getting home, gone, you know, past noon, and I told everyone I'd be home at 11. Um, Which, you know... It's not. Um, it's it's not like digging coal, but it's not. It's not pleasant. Anyway, got back and I've not felt too bad really with the jet lag on on the way back. I think those four solid hours helped. Mm. I'll shut up now and you can talk. Well, no, you look better. You look better than when I saw you on the boat. You did look a little bit 
a I little f- bit. I felt, you look yeah, I felt dreadful on the way there. I didn't feel very well in America. Um, the air on the boat weirdly didn't agree with me. The 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 air conditioning, uh, you know, I was thinking, it, what's wrong with me? I couldn't breathe all the way in. I felt like I got sort of pneumonia or asthma or something, and and I thought it must be the AC. So so then I switched the AC off and started just sleeping with a window wide open, which was nice because you hear the sea and everything, but but a bit bit warm. Um, but as I, I got off the boat and I'd forgotten to pay my expenses, so I had to go back to customer the customer desk to pay expenses. And I think we were just about the last off the boat because all, all the, uh, the, the, what would you call them? The customers, the punters, uh, had got off first. And I went back to to the desk to pay my expenses and there were blokes in hazmat suits going up and down with great big spray machines fumigating the entire ship. Wow. Which uh, I guess is something you never see, but in these COVID times, they fumigate the entire inside of the cruiser um, in between, you know, between its sailing. Uh, and and as a customer, you don't see that, but I just happened to see it. And then I was talking to Steve and Joe Rothery once we got in the bus to go to the airport, and we suddenly all started feeling fine. <laughs> I said, do you feel suddenly all right? Because I do. And they were both going, yeah. And Joe was going, yeah, I feel a lot better. And Rothery was saying, yeah, I'm, I feel noticeably better. And we came to the conclusion that whatever they're fumigating the boat with is probably in the air conditioning mm. and it's probably making everyone feel slightly odd, which mm. it was. So that, my suspicion is that that's, that's what it was, that the, the AC still had all these chemicals in it, um, the, the antivirals maybe, or whatever they use, Um or uh, anti antiseptics or whatever they use. So, yeah. um how did I get onto this? Oh yeah, you know. said I didn't look great. Yeah, yeah you well, didn't. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, and I didn't feel great in the hotel in Florida, right? Which leads me to wonder if they've got a similar thing going there, you know, with the pandemic. So when you check out your room, maybe they spray the room with something to make sure that it's clear for whoever comes in next and isn't spreading a load of covid about and maybe that's making everybody feel slightly off if you've got a cruise booked over the next few months i hope you're <laughs> obviously looking forward to it now a little bit more than you were um, sleep with the window open cat sleep with the window that's my yes. advice don't breathe in <laughs> just exhale a lot you'll be fine um Nice to have you back, obviously. The shows went all right, I take it. Yes, the first one was a bit iffy, um, partly as a, as a consequence of a slight lack of rehearsal on the band's part and an inability to hang on to information for more than a day and a half. Um, but the second one was really tight. Um, the response from the crowd was fantastic. And I've never felt more famous in my life. I, I I only really went out and mingled on one day, uh, which was I think last Thursday, because I wanted to go and see Adrian Bellew's Power Trio. 
they were playing on the pool stage, and um, and so I I, I I went out to watch that, and I was just constantly mobbed by people t- telling me how fantastic it had been, and, and not just fans, but people who'd not seen us before, saying they thought it was was brilliant. So it went extremely well, and um, I was watching Adrian Ballou playing. Um, whilst at the same time being able to look to my left and my right and just see peerless, endless blue ocean in every direction. And that's really bizarre to be watching a band, you know, being at a gig and and being in the middle of just ocean, nothing, no sight of land. Um, it's, it, it's a bizarre thing to experience and thoroughly recommended. And actually, just thinking, because you just said they, because I was going to ask, were you able to get around much on the boat? Um, and clearly, by your answer there, to a certain extent, you couldn't, um, which puts you in your room for even longer, doesn't it? So, if it was an issue with, because obviously on a boat like that, you can get outside, can't you? You can get to normal air, like air, air. Oh yeah, you got go up, go up the top to the pool stage, which which was out in the air. Um, and then, and then whatever was in the air conditioning was rapidly replaced by gin and tonic and hard liquor. <laughs> well, it's funny there are a few comments on the old uh, on the old patron uh, site about uh, you know you had been spotted gin in hand because um, they report back and they tell me. You know. Why should they be surprised by that? Well, no, you've always been very upfront about it. <laughs> Steve H likes gin. Shock horror. <laughs> Not Especially, news, is it? Especially on holiday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you were on your jollies. I was. Yeah. yeah. So, but obviously you're not, you don't, I guess, feel in a position to go for a dip or have a sauna or those kind of things. Didn't do any, what's the thing that you chuck on a boat? Quoits. That's the ones. No, I didn't chuck a quoit. And uh, I didn't go in the pool or do any of that. But then I'm not really like that. I won't even do that when I'm on holiday. Um, um, right. I didn't even take a pair of swimming shorts. Um, I, I don't really, I don't really do a lot of that. I'll paddle. I'll go and have a little paddle. It's very rare that I swim uh, either in the pool or in the or in the sea anymore. Don't know why. Can't be asked. Those of us who grew up going to the East Coast for our holidays only ever do a little paddle, though, don't we? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because water was so cold it would have killed you. Uh, (laughs) I'm full of shit. I'm full of shit. You'd (laughs) swallowed a bit of it, wouldn't have done you any favours either. So was Mark doing his customary 27-mile runs every morning around the decks then? Because he'd have felt safe, no cement mixes or anything. Mark had Karina with him, so he sort of vanished in between anything, you know, anything he had to do. He turned up for, apart from a photo shoot, which he didn't want to do anyway, uh, and so nobody did that. And then this rumor went around that we'd all had a big row, and that's why we weren't doing the photo shoot, which is not true. Um, um, but I, I barely saw Mark, actually. Mm. He was just off doing his thing with Karina, which is fair enough. And I, I barely saw others either because I think he was trying to keep out of the way because um, he's still not had the plague. 
I no. was fortunate in a way that, that I caught the plague just before I went. Yeah. So I didn't have that neurosis of, oh, don't touch me, I might get it, because oh, I'd had it. But you've got that ready break glow around you now, haven't you? Well. That protective <laughs> COVID thing going on. I have, along with the purple aura. I've and the purple aura got, as well. It's got, I've got a rainbow around me at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that... We used to have a. Have I said? Have I told you this? We had a tour manager called a tour manager called Tim Brickus, who was that boy in the Ready Brick advert with the glow around him. No, you've never told that. How have you kept that quiet for so long? One hundred and six <laughs> episodes, and you know the guy. I know oh, him. Been... I know the oh. guy. I know the kid with the glow. He grew up in Tim Brickus, who then tour managed, uh, certainly production managed. Um, uh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Robert Plant, Simple Minds, mm. and those, um, mm. among pretenders, uh, Timmy B. He's, uh, I dare say, he's still in rock and roll somewhere. You'll be telling me you, you know the Milky Bar Kid next. I do, I don't think I do. I've, the, it's ringing a distant bell, actually. <laughs> there's been well, there's been more than one. <laughs> So <laughs> maybe I knew one of them. I spent a lot of time on the boat with Ronald McDonald because I know him. You know the um, the actual person who played Ronald McDonald the clown on all the official McDonald's ads for uh, forever is is a, is a good friend. Um, so I was with I was with him when I was watching Adrian Ballou. So you there? Stood next to Ronald McDonald watching Adrian Ballou. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. The thing is, if ever we needed, if it's at any point Sorry, we did, were unsure we... as to whether this podcast was a good idea, you've just said <laughs> the reason why this podcast is a good idea. Because you know the Ready Brett kid and you were stood next to Ronald McDonald. <laughs> oh, well, that probably counts as a double name drop. Oh, yeah, but that's a cracking name drop, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. If only you'd known the Green Cross Code, man. I didn't know him. No, I've never met him. He, he was Darth Vader as well, wasn't he? Was he was Darth Vader, yes. Mm. Yes. Anyway, we, sp- we ought to get on to an... Oh, you're just carrying as well, but let's let's try for a bit of a bit of other stuff. Um, quick, quick technical Marillion question. Weekend releases, is there something going on? Is there something being released? Did I see something on Facebook from Lucy this morning? Oh yes, I think they've finally finished the uh, the last weekend. Was that was that twenty nineteen? I think it might yes, have it been. Must have been. I think that's finally ready to go. So that's that's going to be released shortly. In right. fact, it may be available. Um, f- you know, for the fourth for the forthcoming weekends in Stockholm, Leicester, Lisbon, and Montreal that are that are coming our way at speed. Right. Okay, so that's look out for that. Something's happening. We don't obviously you can tell neither of us a hundred percent know what it is, but something's happened and I saw something and yeah. So there's weekend material coming, so keep an eye out for that. It's the previous um, weekend, but I, I think it's a bit different because Tim Sidwell had a burglary and they nicked all his hard drives. Um so we lost a lot of the footage. So this one's a bit more of a, a mix and match from from that period, right? Okay. Well, it's a, in which case, it sounds fantastic. There is even anything coming at all, uh, and what a shame for Tim. 
uh, a person who doesn't deserve any of that kind of bad luck. No, um, no, it was really unfortunate. Yeah, okay. Uh, lots of love going out to you, Tim. Um, I was at the guitar show this weekend, and it's relevant. You might think, why now? Why is that relevant? Well, uh, and it's an event in Birmingham, and uh, and you'd be right to think, why is that relevant? But it's relevant to two things. One, I need to shout out to the two Marillion fans I met, one in a brave T-shirt, uh, both from Wales, both showing me pictures of you in the Baroness's purple. Um, I don't know what to call it. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a blanket coat thing, wasn't it? Cardigan oh. thing, whatever she made for you that you wore in Cardiff. Oh, that's a relief. Um, so <laughs> yes, they were they were very taken with that, uh, and there's lots of photographic evidence of that. Picture um, of you wearing the in the Baroness's purple. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> Blanket. Phew, what a relief. <laughs> yeah. um, so, hello to, and I didn't give her names, hello, but yes, thank you. Lovely to see you. Uh, both, post, both podcast listeners, so that was great. I'm both huge fans of uh, An Hour Before It's Dark. Uh, with Crow and the Nightingale being the considered um, highlight track at this point in time. Yes, that's, that's terrific that. Uh, everybody's picked up on that. It's mm. great. Now, the other thing was, the last thing I did on that day was I introduced a couple of chaps on stage who have a um, a, a YouTube thing called not um, called That Pedal Show, which is guitar pedals. But one of those chaps is a guy called Daniel Steinhardt. And he mentioned Rothers in the uh, in his little bit on stage. And I went and said, oh, are you a Marillion fan? He said, yes, I am. He said, we know the band well because I am the guitar player in Tin Spirits. Ah, right. So it's Dan from Tin Spirits who wanted me to say hello. Ah, um, that's Because they've done bits of support and what have you, I believe. Well, uh, Greg's worked with Tin Spirits. So, he did indeed. Um, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Family, immediate family. Immediate family. So... Uh, hi to Dan, uh, which allows us to say hi to Dave Greggs as well. Uh, Hello, hope Dave, Dave's, Dave Greggs okay. It's long, too, too long since we've spoken to him, so we need to get back to speaking to Greggs at some point. That would be nice, wouldn't it? It would. We must do that. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, bit of admin over. Back to somewhere else. We kind of kind of finish off the somewhere else chat today. Um, it was a little bit sketchy, the boat episode on the somewhere else stuff. I think we distracted ourselves quite a lot, but... We've a kind of arrived at the... We talked a little bit about songs, talked a little bit about the writing, influenced a little bit of that kind of stuff, where you were in your life and what have you. Mm. I really just wanted to then focus on the um, a couple of things. One was the whole recording process. Obviously, we knew it was the first one with, with Mike. Um, you know, the songs had come together relatively organically. Um, anything memorable, you know, coming back at you from the whole recording process? Was it just a nice sort of leisurely, you know... Uh, because Marbles had been quite intense, hadn't it? Um, only I in mean, the sense that um, we were running out of time and, and we, were on a, we were on a bit of a deadline to get it all together for the special package and all the promises we'd made to the pre-orders about when it would be finished. And then it all started to overrun. Um, so it became intense in that sense that we we were running out of time and in order to meet the deadline, um, we had to have three mix sessions going on at once. So we had three, three different engineers mixing it. 
in three different places in order to get it all done by the end of the week. Steve Wilson was at it, Mike was at it, Dave was at it, all in different rooms. Um, somewhere else wasn't like that. I don't think we, I don't think we really ran out of time. Um, I don't remember there being any any drama. It was just the six of us. Um, the process was exactly the same as it always has been. You know, jamming jamming away, um, picking out the interesting accidents that happened and then trying to arrange those accidents into songs, you know, revisiting them, work out how what what they what they were in the first place, what we were all playing, um, and then extrapolating them out from there. Um, we usually have this process where we kind of then jam with intent. So we start off just jamming, jamming um, with with no kind of thought whatsoever, and then when you've got an, then when you've picked out a jam that you think is is an interesting thing and a good thing, you then you find first of all find out what everybody was doing so you can play it again, and then you jam that, uh, but kind of with an intention of staying in that idea, on the one hand but jamming at the same time. So you 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 kind of jam with intent then. Um and and Mike is recording all that of course to see where that goes. Um I think Dave used to work like that as well and he, they would then they would then chop out any other interesting things that happened because then that those things are then going to go with that original jam because they're in the same tempo, they're in the, they're in the same key, or um, they're you know they're painting the same pictures, but they're a, a, an extrapolation from it. Um, and then beyond that, then comes comes the sort of head scratching. What if this went up a tone and a half into this next section? What if we went here? What if we went there? Or somebody might actually go, okay, I've, what if it was to do this? And you know, usually me, <laughs> I'll go. Well, what if it, what if it then did this from there? Um, because then I'm, I'm thinking about the lyrics and what and the story I'm telling and and the melodies and what might then work. Um, so there's all of that, and and that's how we were working. Um, I don't recall any. Any, any, um, any massive dramas. I know it was a bit weird in the wound where we we started the wound with this. You know, I've done everything I can to heal this wound, uh, with the kind of the big rhythmic rock, rocky kind of I don't know, vaguely U two y kind of thing. But then it st- goes into that rolling thing, all about the the tree fern growing in the dark forgotten damp places <laughs> um i went i went into the rainforest <laughs> and never came back I never came back <laughs> which was a bit strange in fact when when we came to play the wound live later possibly not immediately but at some point we returned to the front to finish it off uh and kind of finished it off with a, a kind of rock ending, which I think 
was a bit more uh, satisfying than just leaving it in that, leaving it in the forest. We mm. kind of, we kind of finished it with a big thumping end live, which didn't which, didn't bump into Sting, did you, while you were there wandering well, through the, the rainforest? forest? <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> smearing his um, smearing his <laughs> face. <laughs> Smearing his base on a on a on a poisonous frog. Um, no, no. That's the title for the episode. Some that's all sorted. <laughs> Somebody gave me a beautiful little carved piece of coconut um, on the boat from an um, indigenous Venezuelan tribe of a of a red rainforest frog. You know, one of the little bright red poisonous ones um and that's a beautiful thing i've popped it on the windowsill i mean that how do you take that when somebody gives you a a, a beautiful in a, a carving of a something highly deadly well it might not be all right you know i don't know i just uh, it's one of those little i mean in according to david attenborough the great god David Attenborough. Um, National treasure. The more the, the more brightly coloured those little frogs are, usually the more poisonous they are. And the bright colour is a a signal to the predators not to not to even bother, because. Uh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So the really brightly coloured ones, they tend to be the the, the super poisonous ones, right. and they they wipe those. Um, they wipe the the arrows on their on their backs, you know, before they put them in those blow tubes to um, when they're hunting monkeys up in the trees or whatever. I didn't know that either. Yeah, they actually wipe them on the little frogs because they're pretty deadly. They're like they've got sort of nerve agent <laughs> in their skin. Wouldn't quite have been the same, would it, in all those kind of sixties spy films? If 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 the you know. The Bulgarian agent had carried a little frog wound with him. Ilya Kuryakin. Yeah, his... for his umbrella tip. <laughs> Break out the frog, Vladimir. <laughs> Break out the frog. <laughs> oh, that's great. That would have really worked. Oh, oh, he's got the frog out. Now we're in trouble. Yeah, that kind of thing. And the episode titles just keep on coming. <laughs> um <laughs> One other thing then about somewhere else, um, because certainly if, I think a few um, people have passed comment on the fact that it would have been nice to have had a pre-order and a special edition and all mm. the other gumph that came with, because, you you know, I mean, anarachnophobia had been done at that point, marbles had been done at that point, uh, and obviously marbles was a, was a real thing in terms of, you know, that, that packaging and everything, absolutely astonishing. Um was it was it down was it as people have said or I've read was it down to the fact that the band were quite flush and didn't need the cash, um, or or was it for another reason? No, it was quite simply that, and I argued that we should do a pre-order because I, 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 I it turns out I'm not always right, but it turns out I was right. Um, but but I was outvoted because the the rest of the band felt that if we didn't need the money, it was morally wrong to ask for it. Um, you got to remember that at this stage, the whole pre-order idea was 
was very new and I don't, no one had done it apart from us. So we were out on our own with it. And we had enough money in the bank to sort of get us through uh, the recording process. So the boys felt that, that it wouldn't be right to ask. And I was saying, no, there's more to this than just money. There's, there's, you know, people are invested in this now. Um, I, I'm, are you sure? And they went, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we can't ask for the money if we don't need it. So well, I said, fair enough. And then, of course, we just went ahead and made the record and released it to a, a fair tsunami of emails saying, what have we done? What have we done? Why, you know, don't you love us anymore? And, um, and so that was, you know, that was, a, that was a message to us really that it's not just about the money. It's about an act of faith and a commitment to the band and its music. And... Uh, you know, we were so we would always going forward. We should always ask for that that involvement because it's not mm. just financial; it's spiritual. Um, and I think a lot of people want want that. They want to feel like they're they're not just fans; they're supporters, mm. um, and they want to see their name in the sleeve. You know, because a lot again, that's the other thing. A lot, a lot of our fans are are what you might called completists and they have to have everything you know and and so to have an album without their name in when all the others have got their name in is irksome <laughs> so, so i think it was all of those things and and you're right and i guess the little thing there is because there's only one version essentially Mm. it doesn't give you the opportunity as a fan to say, actually, I wanted to do a little bit more. If you'd have given me the opportunity to support by by buying another thing or by buying the thing with more in it or by buying the thing that had my name in it, I wanted mm. to do it. And, and, and actually, all I'm left with now is exactly the same as everybody else. Yet in my, in my own way, I think I'm more of a fan than somebody who might nip into HMV and pick up the album along with four others on a Saturday because they always buy three or four albums a month. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, something we've been pondering is, is you know, we've had all of these remixes and the surround mix things with, with, um, with the EMI Warners catalogue, um, the albums that, that I made with EMI, the four that we did was me and the four that the band did with Fish have been one by one um, remixed, repackaged, repassed, re, re um, well, re everything, um, and and released as a bigger package. And that is something we could do going forward with um, with with the non EMI material. And somewhere else would be a great a great opportunity because it didn't have the um, the special package didn't have the extra bits and bobs and i know for a fact that um i think mike particularly would jump at the chance to mix that again now um you know with his 2002 head on and everything that, that we've learned together since since we've been working um, I think there's scope to improve the sound of somewhere else a little bit. Um, 
and I know Mike could do that, and there may there may be other uh, mix engineers um, that that might be up for doing that as well and reinterpreting it. And I, th- I think that would be a, a worthwhile experiment. And and I was, funny enough, I was that was going to be my next question. If you know retrospectively, um, a, a deluxe edition um, of somewhere else. Uh, and again, I don't know what other bits of material are floating around. I don't know what jams, demos, things that you could have to maybe because um, obviously in the past there's been um, there's been you know early um, demos and, and other sessions that have been included um, to, to to pad these things out. Hmm. Um, you know, so it, it does seem like the obvious one. Yeah, I think it is the obvious one, and Mike's probably Mike probably would be able to lay his hands on all kinds of interesting stuff from that period because you'll have it all on hard drives. Mm. And I think as well, it it sounds like a weird thing to say, but if you look from Marbles on and you look at the treatment everything else has got, it 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 to a certain extent, it feels like it denigrates the album a little bit that, well, somewhere else is just that thing and it's there and there's just one edition of it and, and, and it didn't feel like it had the same sort of, and, and care's the wrong thing to say, but looking from the outside in, and it feels like it deserves the same the same treatment. Again, that might just be me. Um, no, I, I, agree, think- I agree, and I think it's high time somewhere else was, you know, re reassessed. Mm. Uh, I've had a lot of people, you know, we I've, I've occasionally said that the album was thought of as maybe not up to scratch in certain quarters, and then I've had a lot of people come back to me and saying hell no it's one of my favorites um so i think the chance to roll that out in a slightly different form and and give it the chance to be you know go back to this and and listen again um I i think is is something that as a piece of art it deserves and also mike mike as a producer deserves that as well Mm. well it's i mean if you think about radiation when, when radiation was remixed, and that had been talked about a lot as being something where maybe the you know parts of the band weren't overly comfortable with the edit, maybe some of the you know what have you, and then it, it got that it got that revisit, yeah, and instantly it changed a lot of perception about radiation. Radiation mm. is, is thought about slightly differently now because it's thought about in the context of of having you know effectively the two versions of it to listen to, yeah, um, and and also the revisit to a certain extent. I think, and, and us talking about it on here brought a lot, a bit of that about as well. You know, holidays has gone through a bit of a a, a revisit and a revival. I think people have reassessed holidays, um, yeah. and rightly so, because I always thought holidays was a great album, um, and somehow got caught in between seasons end and and brave, and somehow you know, oh, that's the poppy album, which I think is t- you know wrong and totally unfair. Um, is that out yet, Anthony? Re- have we released no, not, that yet? Still not. No, released it's not. No, it's no, okay. no. We've, we've just got Stephen Taylor did a great job with that. So it'd be nice when that sees the light of day. Yeah, we still wait. I was just looking around to see where the boxes are, and we're still waiting for that because I've certainly not seen that. So it can't be. Where have I got them? It can't be. Yes, no, it's not out yet. Right. So um, you know. So again, I think there'll be that reassessment of holidays as well when that. Uh, and the, but I think there's already a reassessment in holidays, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, and I think somewhere else is that to me is the one that's left that kind of needs that little bit of light shining on it, little bit of okay, let's 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 listen to that again, maybe through a new set of ears. 
Um, you know, particularly as I said before, when we talked about it, that there's a lot of themes that I think for you in your lyrics start at somewhere else. You can track a lot of stuff back from an hour before it's dark and fear, mm. and track that back to to somewhere else for me, certainly. Right. Well, leave that with me. I'll, I will. I will use whatever influence I have. Um. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> no, I think it's right. I think it's right, and, and I think it's 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 just open for it, which is which is great. Oh, anyway, I, I think everyone will be up for that. It's just you know finding the time and get, yeah. get asking the question and the impetus to get it all going. But I, I I don't think there'll be any pushback for that as an idea. No, no. Um, let's let's go for a bit of diary. Um, yeah, and, and we're we're still in the Netherlands. We are, um, in, in, and we've got a couple of days that we're going to go. Well, we'll do a last last day in the Netherlands, won't we? And then we're going to nip to Germany, aren't we? Is that right? Is that right? We're, I, I'm in Zwolle, aren't I? And then I'm in. No, they're both. We're 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 still in the Netherlands for both. I think. Hang on a sec. Let me have a look. I mean, no, the fifth is Berlin. You can have a day off in Berlin. Oh, nobody can say Berlin's in Holland. It's not, is it? Yes. No. I'm no. I mean, Berlin. there's been attempts to try and rectify that um, <laughs> all the way around. All the way around. Attempt, yeah. Attempts to put them in the same country, but it yeah. ne- ne- never, never really lasted that long. It didn't work out long term. No. Not long term, no. Um, so we'll, we'll go for that. And then I've got a couple of questions when we, when we come back. So I'll let you, let you go and continue your love affair with the Dutch. Yes. Zwolle and the cake shop. Here it comes. Tuesday, 4th of May. Swalla, Isselhallen. Enjoyed a lion for the first time in months. Slept almost uninterrupted until 1 p.m. What a luxury. Looking out of my little bus window, I could see an uninviting car park, seemingly in the middle of nowhere, so I was in no particular hurry to explore the area. Eventually rose and made my way into a huge hangar of a place where the equipment was already set up and running on a large stage at one end. It was cooler inside than outside, and, like most empty buildings of this type and size, pretty gloomy and depressing. Had a coffee, showered and said a few words to an interviewer from Holland's Radio 1 before persuading someone to give me a lift into town so I could find a cafe and catch up with the diary. I'm now sitting in an upstairs tea room above a pastry shop, the kind of place favoured by old ladies for hot chocolates and cream cakes in the afternoon. I'm overlooking the main square and shopping street. This is an infinitely preferable experience to hanging around in a shed out of town, and yet I'm sure it won't occur to the rest of the band to go anywhere else. I just don't understand this particular characteristic of them. Over the years we've travelled to many different places on earth, and I have walked the streets and haunted the cafes, whilst most of the band remained firmly anchored to some depressing dressing room somewhere happy to spend the day reading or playing on some computer game. Perhaps it's the fear of getting lost or tiring yourself out. Oh well, to each his own. I spent an hour in the cafe before meeting up with the runner who took me back to the gig for soundcheck. 
Up on the stage, the band were debating a change of set. Estonia was added and also Cover My Eyes. It was one of those sound checks that drags on for hours and re-established the unique Marillion tradition of sound checking for longer than the show itself. Afterwards, we had a buffet dinner. All the big plates had gone, so I spread my meal across two small plates. And that's the most interesting thing that happened to me all day. Until the show, that is. We're still improving steadily at this stage of the tour, and as I start to feel secure with the music, I can turn my attention more to remaining close to the crowd. I believe that an audience is a kind of energy ball, and that my most important job is to connect to it and to sustain it. This may sound a bit hippie as a concept, but experience has shown it to be true. I can feed the energy simply by performing into it. When I'm distracted, I perform into myself, and then the audience can only witness what I do instead of feeling part of it. When I connect to it, then everyone becomes part of it, and so they connect to each other through me, and that's when a really great vibe happens in the room. Unfortunately, the connection can be broken at any moment when something distracts me and I now have so much to do that the potential for distraction is huge. Little things like knowing the running order of the set and having a second nature understanding of the chords I need to play on the piano and guitar make it much easier to stay in the energy. This is why it takes a few shows to get it all going. I'm playing acoustic guitar on a few songs, including Don't Hurt Yourself, where I provide the backbone of the song. The fact that I'm not really a guitarist and that the change from E minor to B minor is fairly tricky means I need every last ounce of concentration and luck to get through it. But each night I feel it getting better and easier. The Zwolle show was great. I was in and out of the energy, but for the final encore, Cover My Eyes gave me the chance to concentrate solely on it, and the response was like a tidal wave. I forgot to put my in-ear monitors in, and this was to be a happy accident, as I could suddenly hear the massive sound of everyone in the room singing the intro as one voice. Every hand was raised and clapping all the way to the back. This is what it's all about. Wednesday, 5th of May, Berlin. Day off. Woke up around 10 and made my way to the front of the bus where Paul Ralston was already sitting. It was a beautiful blue day as the bus edged its way along one of Berlin's main boulevards, Strasse des 17 Juni. Yes, I know it's French. Apparently, something to do with cannon that were captured from Napoleon. Towards the Brandenburg Gate. We chatted and Paul filmed the interesting moments that passed on our way past the Brandenburg Gate and the new Reichstag on our way to find the hotel. Today is a day off, so I agreed to meet up with Paul and Jace for an interview later. We decided to do it at the famous Berlin Zoo. I said I'd call Paul when I was ready. Ready for what's next, eh, Bono? When we arrived at the hotel... We were told that rooms weren't ready, so I sat myself down in the hotel bar and ordered up coffee while writing this diary. Time passed and Quinna, the tour manager, kept appearing to say that my room still wasn't ready. But it didn't really matter, as I'd much catching up to do with the diary anyway. 
Around 2pm, I finally entered room 427 and took a much-anticipated shower before trying to find something in English on the TV. The choices were CNN News, America Propaganda Channel, or BBC World, something approaching the truth with anything too contentious edited out. Incidentally, I'm told that most Americans consider CNN to be dangerously left-wing. Many consider Fox News, or George Bush TV as it's better described, to represent the balanced view. Blimey. I relaxed for a while on the bed, but in the end, I didn't really have time to sleep as I'd arranged to meet Paul and Jace at 3pm. We took the train to the zoo station and walked through the corridors with U2's song of the same name buzzing around in my head. I'm ready. I'm ready for the laughing gas. I'm ready for what's next. Just outside the station was a stall selling fresh fish. Paul wondered whether they might have some fantastic place. Funny at the time. Fish jokes abounded for a further ten minutes. Berlin Zoo came as a pleasant surprise. It's really beautiful. A big late 19th century park full of flowers and trees. Many of the animals aren't caged, but simply separated from the public by wide, deep ditches. This gives the place a very natural atmosphere. The dangerous cats are caged, of course, but one look at the jaguars and leopards, and I was very grateful for the bars. I marvelled at the Indian rhinoceros, bigger and more heavily armour-plated than its African counterpart, according to Paul and Jace, and they should know, they've seen them coming up the street or so they said. Not long after we arrived, the weather took a turn and it began to rain pretty hard, so we retired to the restaurant where I ordered up what turned out to be bright green beer and sour cherry ice cream. We set up under a parasol outside by the duck pond and I was interviewed by Paul as Jace rolled the camera. The green beer tasted of beer with a slight undercurrent of pickled onions and asparagus, Hmm, the ice cream was better. While Jace changed tapes, Paul returned to the restaurant to buy something more conventional and returned with a bottle of Pilsner Lager, which tasted slightly of fish. Must be a Berlin thing. Or maybe they left it too near the penguin food. The weather gradually improved during the interview, so we went for a wander through the zoo. I don't think I've ever seen a giant panda before in the flesh. What an amazing creature. A look of pure madness in its eyes. I don't suppose I'd have been too sane if put in the same position. We passed flamingos, so orange-pink that they glowed in the daylight, and on past American bison. More U2 imagery. You can tell they recorded Acton Baby here all right. Around 6.30 it was choking out time, so we made our way back to the station and then took another train back to the hotel. I returned to my room and decided to have a snooze. Big mistake. I woke at 10.30pm. Too late to eat, too awake to go to bed. Nothing on the telly except intolerable cruelty. A Coen brothers attempt to make George Clooney funny. They failed. I turned it off after half an hour. Went downstairs and found Ian, Mark, Quinner and Ian Bond just finishing dinner. Hung out with them for an hour over a beer and then ordered a hot chocolate to try and get myself back in the mood for going to bed. 
returned to the room and wrote the diary for another hour before forcing myself back to sleep. Days off on tour are always a bit of a struggle. And we're back! Hey! I just tried that. I got it totally wrong. It didn't sound like the right and we're back at all. Oh, well, you know, you need practice, obviously. I do. I do. 106, not enough. <laughs> um, um, first things, first things, three questions from the diary. Take, take them, obviously, in order. First mm. one, that pastry shop sounds fantastic. Yes, that was quite a find. Um, and um, I probably looked a bit freakish um, being a in mid-tour mode and there, thereby probably having a bus head, what they call bus head, which is the head you get when you've slept on a bus. You get up in the morning and your hair is uh, is splayed in directions that you could never get it in real life, but, but it goes in those directions and you either look like Billy Wiz or John Cooper Clark. Um, so I probably had bus head... Um, I was probably wearing something curious and I was in a, up in a very urbane little tea rooms with a, a load of old Dutch ladies who were all having their uh, pastries and their um, whatever, I don't know what the Dutch drink. It was, it would, don't say Advocar because that's another popular myth. I once went into a bar in Amsterdam and asked for a snowball and they looked at me like... <laughs> I was a space alien. <laughs> so, uh, snowballs are about as Dutch as Mexican jumping beans are Mexican, uh, which is another story. But um, yes, I was in. I was. Uh, I, I was quiet. I was writing my diary, I think, and I was just sat quietly at a table with all of these very prim and proper urbane Dutch ladies. Mm. I like that. I like the thought of that. I do like a nice tea room. Yes, my son does the sound for Ted Nugent. I told you that story, didn't I? <laughs> that was a tea rooms in Scotland. Oh, oh, you're in a band, are you? Just little old waitress and a little tartan penny and all of that. Oh, oh, my son does the sound for Ted Nugent. <sighs> How we left. Anyway. You just never your, know where people. Your Scottish are waitress is quite good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I dare say Scott. There'll be a few Scottish waitresses in touch to uh, point out that it wasn't. But there we are. Right. I, th- I thought it was good. I've got a vision now right. of of that voice with Julie Walters <laughs> in that Victoria Wood sketch with the soups. Yeah. Yeah, well, she was she was a proper, you know, like a character out of Doctor Finley's casebook. Oh, um, except that her son did the sound for Ted Nugent, which was just hysterical. Uh, um, the other thing you mentioned is that you'd been playing guitar in "Don't Hurt Yourself," mm, and there was a really nasty change from E minor <laughs> to B minor. Well, there was for the likes of me, that's for sure. Yeah, E minor to B minor was always a little bit of a oh. You know, um, you know, like my lovely horse on Father Ted. I went, <laughs> when they're doing that song, and he has to stop the song. Or hang on a minute, I can do this before he does the last chord. It was a bit like that. Well, I don't think any guitarist likes B minor. No, it's a horrible chord. 
Well, that makes me feel slightly less crap. Yeah. I mean, I'm not much of a guitarist, but I, re- I know I don't like a B minor. No. Well, it's the, it's a bar, isn't it? It's just suddenly yeah. having to bar across uh, in amongst the open ones is um, is a bit of a jolt. I got the hang of it eventually. I can still do it now. Um, but uh, and we've we've not really played Don't Hurt Yourself much over the years. That probably needs revisiting at some point. I think it, I think it does. I like that track. There are certain like songs that just were always a bit hard hard work because of the loops and the technology, and that would probably be easier now if we went back mm. to them. And Don't Hurt Yourself was one, and uh, Genie was another. You know, they're both they're both cool little songs. Mm. What about Angelina? We've not done that for ages. Huh? That's a lovely little number. So there's 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 still a lot of stuff that's that we should return to soon. You know, for live. Well, I suppose part of the problem is that what there's there's you know at least three marbles tracks that regularly get on the list, aren't there? Mm. And you probably look at it and go, "Oh, we've paid two or three for marbles this time, so we." let's look for another album yeah because you're always dropping Invisible Man in aren't you you're always dropping Neverland in and you're always dropping uh, Fantastic Place in yeah and it's hard to ignore those because they are uh, whoppers they, they are in the true sense of the word bangers aren't they mm. so yeah. uh, but, but but also by the same token that's what 20 to 25 minutes from Marbles yeah yeah, well, this is our dilemma. Whenever we come to write a set list these days, we, um, you, you know, you you end up having to leave whoppers out in order to play anything obscure, and then you think, oh, is this a good idea? Uh, but the flip side of that is that, that you know, the obscure songs start to get ignored, and they, they do need revisiting because they're all really interesting. Uh, but I'm sure we'll work our way around to to these. The things. Stones did it, didn't they? Because the Stones started playing a while ago. Um, what's it? She's like a rainbow, which what which you can't in any way class as a huge Stones tune, but it's a great song. Hmm. And that's now become a ever almost ever present. Right. So maybe maybe you drop a few in, and then suddenly, <coughs> excuse me, suddenly they become. The norm. Well, stylistically, that makes quite a nice change for the Stones, doesn't it? Because that's a sort of psychedelic song, isn't yes. it? Yes. Straight, yeah. straight out of the, straight out of the peace and love on the back end of the sixties, and 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 is a little break from all the blues influenced stuff. So it, it's probably quite welcome in their set. Mm. It's a nice song as well. Yeah, Ruby. Anyway, Tuesday. on I to really Berlin. Like Ruby Tuesday. Well, I like Ruby. Well, Ruby mm. Tuesday and. Those two songs are quite similar, actually, mm. in the way they build. Mm. Um, yeah, both good tunes. Um, on to Berlin. Last question for 106. You go to Berlin Zoo. Mm. Yeah, I went to the zoo. Um, I think I went. Did I go with Paul Ralston? I can't remember because Paul and Jace were tagging along behind us on the whole of that tour, trying to trying to shoot um bits of you know our days off and just just make um a sort of on fly on the wall band on the road kind of thing so they were tagging along i don't know if they tagged along i've got a feeling one of i've got a feeling they might come with me to berlin zoo um and that was quite an that was quite a nice day you too wrote zoo station about that very thing because they they'd recorded 
Aktung Baby in Berlin. And Zoo Station is the sort of metro station at the zoo. So well, I've ju- just been looking at this. What? That's Colours and Sound. That's that documentary you've just described. Right, that'll be it. And it, and it was filmed in all those locations. So all the locations from the previous diary, uh, Tilburg, Utrecht, Zwolle, uh, Berlin, they, they were following you around. Yeah, they were on the bus with us. Um, and it, it's well worth a visit, Berlin Zoo. We, you know, there's, there's all sorts in there, as you would expect in a zoo, but I, there was giant pandas in there and uh, buffaloes. I mean, maybe that's where... You know, which song is the the one with all the buffalo going off over the cliff? Is that um, one? Ooh, is that who's going to know? Is, is it, it is from... better? Is it... You feel, yeah. feel the same? Is, is that... Was it one that had the... Well, it could have been one. Yeah, the the, I can see the image the now on the single. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Berlin Zoo had an influence on that, on that choice of subject matter, but it was a powerful image. That's a great Cut. song. Can't imagine that they wanted to give their buffaloes up just to have them run off. <laughs> no, they probably weren't Berlin Zoo's buffaloes. Right. They were probably just blokes in buffalo suits. <laughs> Might have been photoshopped. <laughs> the cliff may never have been there at all. <laughs> Who knows? Mm. Bono, if you're listening. Yeah. How much did you pay those blokes in those buffalo suits <laughs> to jump off those cliffs? Can't have been cheap. Buffalo! (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a reasonable place to finish. No buffaloes were harmed in the recording of this episode, folks. No. I'd like to stress that. Uh, They were just killed. (laughs) (laughs) Said Steve Hogarth. (laughs) Vegan. Uh, vegan. Uh, the vegetarians are getting really unhappy with the vegans, aren't they? Oh my god, are they? Well, yeah, because cheese is disappearing off menus oh, because yeah. the vegans don't like it. No, I, we had a vegan lighting director called Jasper, and he just used to live on dust. And uh, you know, and if you said, even if you said the word cheese sandwich, it goes strange shade of green. And, yeah. You know, and he'd have to pop out and be sick. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, cheese is that so bad? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say it out loud, and I'm going to get the ire of a whole, well, two groups of people. But you know, as somebody who isn't vegetarian or vegan, you look and go, you kind of lump them together and go, well, I, I, look, fussy, fussy eaters. What can I say? But, um, <laughs> but the fact that the vegans and the vegetarians are having to go at each other. You know, there seems yeah. a little bit of poetic irony in there. No, they should be they should be saving saving their anger and their ire for uh, for us for us. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Though I'm going to side with the vegetarians. Cheese is sacrosanct in my life, so I'll I'll go with the with the vegetarians in this in this instance. Yeah, does it does it damage anybody? Make cheese? You know, is, are animals hurt by being milked? I don't know. Well, I think I would argue animals are harmed if they're not milked, aren't they? Mm. Well, not I'm not getting involved. No, I'm not. I'm not. Well, look, if if you're a cow, write in. 
<laughs> or, or any any milk producing animal. Help us out. <laughs> Should we leave it there? Because I'm offending people now. Yes, yes, and the, you, your laptop's not going to last long with a with a bull writing in. Uh, I'll see you for one oh seven. It's been a joy. Okay. Uh, yes, hasn't it? Phew. Yes. Are we done? I think we are, though. You just need to work out how you're going to get any of this into a crooncast. Oh, I loved the off back to bed. The pugwash was brilliant. <laughs> Frog chorus springs to mind. Frog chorus. <laughs> And it wasn't even my idea. Poisonous frog chorus. <laughs> Poisonous frog Ow, 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 ow! <laughs> the distant thump of monkeys falling to earth in the background. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.